Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 147. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Bugs. The lovable pop rock band from Queensland have just released their third studio record, entitled Cooties. In today's episode, we're speaking with frontman Connor about lyric writing that addresses toxic masculinity, their drummer Brock producing the new record, and the brilliance of Cheryl Crow. Here we go. Our guest today is one-third of the pop rock band Bugs. Hailing from Queensland, Australia, the guys have just released their third studio record entitled Cooties and they're about to take it on the road for the next two months. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Connor Brooker from Bugs. Hello, how are we? Very well, thank you, Simon. Thanks so much for having me on. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Whereabouts are you uh, joining us from today, Connor? I'm in sunny, hot, really humid Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, and it is so warm. I'm in my spare room with a fan going, which hopefully you can't hear too too much in the background noise. But, yeah, it's like I'd say it's close to 40 degrees today, so it's like really, really steamy. Is is that normal for kind of like Brisbane weather? We're, uh, we're, we're now in mid-April. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, is that like normal kind of weather for for Brisbane? Uh, on, unfortunately, yes. Our summer just um, just continues on, and it <laughs> kind of like just does this really sharp U turn in May, and all of a sudden it drops to like yeah below ten at night and stuff, which is so much nicer. But yeah, luckily we <laughs> tour enough that we get to enjoy all of the beautiful um, different climates that we have in Australia pretty regularly. So it's, it's, we're never stuck in sweaty Brisbane too long and we, we, <laughs> we like it. We're all used to it up here. So it's not too bad. That's very fair. I can, I, I appreciate the, the, the silver lining or the optimistic outlook of that you get to experience all the kind of weathers. That's a nice way to kind of look at it. Yeah, it's one of the best parts about touring. We, we sent these trackies um, from Catmandu last week and I was like, I'm never going to need – oh, wait, yeah, I will. I was like, I'm not going to need these in <laughs> Brisbane. Then I remember like when we were playing a camping festival in Tasmania in March last year and it was like snowing two kilometres off site and like we were all wearing gloves and stuff like that and it was just like, yeah, we, we experience a full range of seasons in Australia and we're, luck, we're lucky <laughs> to get to, yeah, I guess experience all of it because I don't know many Queenslanders that have seen snow. 
That's very fair. I will pay that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't imagine that there's a, a lot. Um, Connor, it's a very exciting time. At the moment, uh, Bugs have recently released their third studio record, Cooties. Uh, congratulations, man. This record is sick. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so, so glad you enjoy it. It's such a, it's such a weird feeling to finally have three years worth of blood, sweat and tears and like sacrifice into like out into the ether and in the open public. It's so cool just being able to, yeah, it's a real thing now. And I'm, thanks so much. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's just a bit of fun and it's hopefully meant to put a smile on your face. That's, I guess, the Lord, one of the intentions of the album. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It definitely is. Um, I think it, it sounds silly and almost cliche, but putting a smile on your face, I definitely walked away a happier person after after having listened to this record. <laughs> that's amazing. That's that, that's honestly like the best thing that I could ever hear as a writer. It's so cool being able to have that like positive effect on someone's like psyche or their mental headspace. It's like one of the most cool things as a musician or person even just to be able to, I guess have that connection and that like little, yeah, that little moment. It's really nice. Of course. The, um, as I just mentioned, it's the third record from you guys, the third studio record. Um, does that kind of change with each record? Are you still maybe not shocked, but do you still kind of feel that, um, that same kind of feeling when fans do come and tell you after each record that they, the, the love and admiration that they have for the songs that you guys are writing? totally like that 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 kind of like um yeah that moment and that appreciation and like having someone be really brave and come up to you when they've never even spoken to you and like sometimes they're shaking or crying or like they're so obviously visually putting themselves into an uncomfortable position to try and like basically make me feel good or someone else in the band feel good and like just in part that they appreciate what we do and it's like such a such a beautiful thing and like it doesn't wear off or get it just gets better honestly the more like the every time it happens i feel overwhelmed and surreal like the kind of stuff you dream about as a kid when you're when I myself was doing that kind of stuff, I'd still do it to this day. Like I'm an adult, I'm really 30 and I approach people that I admire and I'm scared to talk to them because <laughs> I've so I've built up this like image of them in my head. I, I can relate to how people feel sometimes when I can see their body language approaching me. And I just, I just try to make them feel really comfortable. And like, sometimes I can't because I'm just as like, I'm just as like blown away by the whole thing that like they're coming up to me as well. Like, Sometimes people will be like, look at how big my smile is. And I'm like, look at my, I think I'm probably almost, <laughs> if not more stoked than you, that this interaction's happened. Like, and people always apologize and they're like, so I think conditioned to thinking that there's like this like pedestal thing and they're like, sorry, I don't want to waste your time or like go, don't want to interrupt you and stuff. And it's like, this is literally what I'm here to like do. This is what I value more than anything is like that connection with people over music it's like why i got into writing it it's why i do it it's like it's so invaluable that kind of um it's the things that makes you keep going with your career and like all the other stuff like um you know all the other metrics and things that happen in your career and successes are great and feel great but there's no better feeling than like yeah having a connection with another person and feeling that like shared common ground it's really it's really grounding and it's really humbling. Yeah, of course. I can um, 
I can imagine we've been very lucky. Uh, and I know it's obviously a very kind of maybe a different, a sidestepping aspect, if you will, um, that we've been very lucky enough to have a number of people who we admire or revere on, on the podcast. And it is, it's a funny thing when you speak to someone, when you both have that mutual, I guess, love or respect for music, that it is kind of like a, um, p- people just want to talk about what they love at the end of the day. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's almost like a leveler and it like, it, it like immediately just like, blows out any of that awkwardness that can potentially be there that we all we all feel socially anxious like anyone that anyone that doesn't admit that's either a sociopath or like a god god tier <laughs> scary person <laughs> if you ask me because everyone feels insecure and like um it's a it's a healthy thing at the end of the day in a lot of ways if you don't let it destroy you and yeah it's like it's just nice you feel like once you show some passion and vice versa the god just like comes down and people are willing to just be themselves and it's a yeah it's a really nice I feel like you don't almost have to have those like vetting conversations and stuff when you're like maybe potentially becoming friends with someone or meeting people and you're kind of assessing their morals and stuff you don't really have to worry as much about it when it's just like such a natural connection and you you can kind of tell that you're your ideology towards life is pretty similar based on the kind of bands that you listen to, which is such a crazy thing to say. It's almost like you wouldn't think those two <laughs> things would be mutually exclusive, but like, it, for example, at Unify, the festival that we played a few weeks ago now, it was like going up to it. We were playing at a heavy metal festival. We had short stack playing before us. I had heavily tattooed people approaching me all day. Just like everyone was so damn nice and like, I felt like I made like literally hundreds of friends just off the back of like walking around in this festival. And it was like genuine connections with people, not just like, I like these people because they like me. And that like, <laughs> it's like, it's just like, there's so many like-minded people in one space. It was like a, almost like a drug. You just like, it was hard to pull yourself away from that kind of experience and like getting in the van, going back to the accommodation. It was almost like little kid, like, or like my cat when I'm trying to <laughs> show him affection, it's like no, get away from me, like traffic stuff. <laughs> I didn't want to leave, but um, yeah, it's 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 so cool. It never that kind of connection. It's so I don't know. It's rare that people are able to have that kind of like comfort in a stranger immediately, and I think that's like a really beautiful, cool thing. That's like a byproduct of writing songs. Basically, it's this. So I don't know how it goes from like me writing like songs to like this end thing. All the in between is like this like slipstream blur that we're in. But then yeah, <laughs> coming out the other side of it and getting people people smiling and crying and like giving you a hug. It's the coolest stuff in the world. It's what I do it for, honestly. I imagine that it is um extremely fulfilling and kind of like heartwarming and, and as you said it's just especially now in 2022 after the last few years it's probably everyone is kind of just wanting to go back to gigs and wanting to be like everyone's just happy to be there everyone's kind of happy to kind of like see these bands coming back with new albums with new music and being able to play shows yeah it's surreal it's so it's you hit the nail on the head it's like yeah it's such after two years of pent up like 
demand. It's just like crazy how much people have re that like suffering and the hardship that everyone's been sharing. It's like re-geared everyone's perspective and appreciation for what we had and will have again. And yeah, it's, it's incredible seeing like bands and, and not just bands, like music lovers coming out the other side of it and seeing the whole, the whole thing just like burst back to life is really inspiring. And it's like, the energy that you get from like seeing all of that happen. It's just like fills your heart with so much joy and it's excitement for the future because it's only going to keep kind of rolling out to being more normal and stuff now. And yeah, like another thing that was really cool is like music and the internet during all of that, like physical greetings and stuff being basically banned. <laughs> it's It's been a way that we can still make connections with people is via music and via the internet and like social media and stuff. It's like people that will message us every few weeks kind of with paragraphs and paragraphs about how much this lyric or this song or this interaction has meant to them and how much it's deviated the course of their life potentially is so profoundly like it's, it has a huge impact on me personally hearing those kinds of stories because it's, it's, it's a really strong reminder how much of a powerful vehicle for emotional change that music can be and how therapeutic it is for a lot of people, myself included. So it's just, yeah, it's been really nice, I guess, to feel like in some small way that, yeah, just music, has, our music has been able to help anyone with something that they've been struggling with or at least making them feel less alone in their struggle. Like we can't be there putting band-aids on the, the, the wounds, but at the end of the day we can show them that we're putting band-aids on the same wounds on ourselves and that's a good way to, I guess, embrace other people in your community and not being scared to show that you can hurt and that you can have be sad and stuff. That's been a big, big thing with our music is always like being honest and not as much as it's like a bright and positive vehicle for what we want it to be, because that's what bugs is. And that's who we are as people. It's, we don't shy away from introspective or emotionally challenging topics in our music, but we try to wrap them in a way that's kind of, it's in a, in a way it's going to make people see a positive side of it and hopefully make them feel less alone. If they're going through that same struggle, it's never like, I never want to write a song where it's just like, oh, woe is me, the world sucks, everything's bad, and there's no resolution. <laughs> it's like, it's like, how is that satisfying as a movie? <laughs> it's like, uh, maybe I just grew up <laughs> watching too much Disney and stuff. I don't know. But <laughs> maybe I should just write a pure emo album. And, you know, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's nice seeing people have that kind of go through that journey and, like, um, the music meaning so much to them is so cool. And I can relate because I feel that way about a lot of bands as well. So it's, it's cool. Another shared commonality. Yeah. hundred um, percent. The, the record was recorded to my understanding in, I think 2020 with yourself and, and the band at your drummer Brock's house. Um, and he produced and, and recorded the record. Was that, the first time that you guys have kind of done something like that? Has it always kind of been like a, a DIY kind of band or is this a, a, a COVID outcome, if you will? <laughs> <laughs> Probably both. Like on, we've always done it ourselves. Um, that's how the band kind of started. I was just, um, I was doing laptop, like programming the drums on my laptop and just throwing songs out to the internet and, um, 
like I'd played in another band for years and that's how I'd met Brock, our drummer, but we didn't know each other from Barisope at the time. I just put up a status saying, does anyone know, like know anyone who can help me record some drums for cheap and stuff because I just was over over playing drums with my fingers on my laptop keyboard. So Brock was just like her chance, one of my Facebook friends still, and he was just like, hey, man, I'm recording for free and stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. So that worked well on my budget. <laughs> so I just ran over to his little, like, oh, this, this house that was like squished underneath a paint shop in Turinga that was like, had no airflow. It was like carpeted ceilings barely above your head, like just the dingiest thing. And it was so sweaty. But we just banged out an EP there. And then I think became good friends through that, started getting show offers and made it a real band. And then next release, we did it in our share house in, in Tuong, which was just another really home, home job, like had a spare room with the drums recorded in there. It was like that level of the house flooded every few weeks because of how crazy the land we got. So it was just like, so not ideal for having a home studio set up, but we've made it work and, then eventually Brock, um, years later now, moved into Bedlam, which was a recording studio in Indrapilly, and that was that was just before the pandemic hit, and it was just incredible timing because basically lockdown hit and we were all, like, forced to not do anything but because he technically lived in a studio space and we were a functioning enterprise and entity. We could still perform essential business, which was recording, so we can still access the studio while everyone was on pause and we saw it as this massive opportunity to basically get paid to make music for the first time in our lives. Like JobKeeper just became livable, well, JobSeeker became livable for once and it's above the poverty line so we all went, would be stupid not to kind of take advantage of this, especially as musicians and creatives. It's like the government's handing out more money than ever. It's like <laughs> almost to play too much into the trope <laughs> stereotype but we've got a especially for the lack of funding they were giving for the arts. I was just kind of like, STFU, I'm going to take, like, all the cash that I can get from the government at the moment because our industry has just been, as it said, first to shut down, last to be considered for any funding. So, yeah, we just got to focus on the album, like, go there for a few days a week for pretty much months and just be, like, pretend we were, like, rock stars, like, just playing stuff ten times over to the point where it was, like, I don't even know if I'm making it better at this point. Like, I don't know if we need that much time again in the future because we'll probably just like being wanky half the time and just like, let's try this. And this. But, you know, through that like freedom, we just kind of had the chance to throw everything at it. And that's our attitude with recording, just like throw everything at it and then strip back from there to see what sticks and what really needs to kind of like be there, whether it be in an individual song or like the the whole album i think we recorded close to 40 songs for the album and ended up whittling it down to 10 so thinking about throwing away 75 percent of your work is like insane to most people but it's like a lot of those songs weren't really good so i'm glad they're never gonna get heard but um yeah it's just like it was a really long really considered process but at the same time we had a lot of we're an independent band so we had this open-ended kind of freedom to just be like spend a lot of time with it, let the songs marinate and really make sure that every, not just every song, but every second in every song was something that we knew needed to be there. It's almost like we tried to give every, every moment, it's every excuse to get it off the record, but the ones that we just couldn't 
basically argue against were the ones that ended up staying on the record and even parts and stuff. So it's easily, in my opinion, and we all agree, it's it's hard being talking on behalf of the other guys, but we've spoken about it previously and it's the most proud we've ever been of a collection of our songs and album. Like we're just all so wrapped with it. And I think previously we'd always kind of compromised on a few songs and been like, I don't really like those ones, but you two like those ones and it's majority rules kind of thing. But now it's with this album, it's like all of us have in pure agreements because we've gone through such a long process together. And it was, yeah, it was really, it was bizarre. Like, yeah. in our previous albums, we've had like massively elongated, <laughs> passionate, passionate conversations about our opinions. And this time it was just kind of like, so this this one, this one? Like, yeah, yeah, those ones. That's what I was thinking. And then, then Jordan's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. We're all like, what? All right, cool. That's the album. <laughs> so, it was, yeah, really, it was like really, we were really anal and stuff, but at the same time it was just kind of like a natural, the way that it all kind of came together at the end, it was just like naturally all made sense to all of us. So it was really cool. And Brock's incredible. Like our drummer, he was like, the amount of time, effort, and skill he's put into engineering the releases is just like I could never put into words how much we appreciate how much he's done for us and continues to do for us. And, yeah, it's just so cool. Watching him grow personally and professionally in his own goals has been another part of the band that's, like, so cool. Like, we're all really proud of each other's musical achievements and stuff in the band. Like, that's obvious because we're still doing it together. But, like it's a whole nother thing to see like your friend just like kicking ass at whatever, like every step that he's taking, he's working with even better <laughs> bands and he's just like every release he puts out is incredible, like in, a big step up. So it's really cool watching him go through all of that personal and professional growth and feeling like we're a small part of that journey is really a massive privilege because he's, he's incredible at what he does and he works his, works his backside off to get the outcomes he does. So really proud and really really lucky that we get to work with him because he's he's so in demand now as well it's almost like he's just poor dude when we want to record an album it's kind of like oh how am i gonna like fit this in now which is hilarious because it's his own band <laughs> <laughs> we're like dude come on priorities is that yeah he's he's unreal with that he's recording daddy rates some debut album at the moment as well another brisbane act which is it's so cool again like by extension watching them like grow over the last few years and i think a big part of that's been them working with him and his influence on their production and just so crazy to watch that like flow and effect of his influence like help another group of musicians get to levels of achievements that we've we've even only dreamed of it's so cool like we're not tall poppies here it's just awesome seeing good people that have got good hearts like succeed it's never there's never anything bad about that. It's just so, so cool, especially when it's from Brisbane. Where you probably know we're a bit almost like patri patriarchal. Is that the word? A parochial? I don't know what the word is. Like we're big patriots, Queenslanders. <laughs> we're all we're all big rugby league heads, and we won Origin eight years in a row. So um, everyone here is too like so proud of Queensland. It's weird, <laughs> me included. I love it. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brock and, and yourselves have done a very good job with the songs on this record and I, I feel like the sound is very like reminiscent of like um, late 90s, early 2000s kind of like power pop um, or pop rock or, or um, different, a few different kinds of genres 
I know we're going to talk about uh, Alone Again in a, in a little bit. Uh, you did, uh, you're very kind enough to make us a playlist which influenced um, the track Alone Again, which I think is one of my favourite tracks off the record. One of the other tracks I wanted to talk about quickly before we got to the playlist was Mars and Venus, which uh, I believe deals with toxic masculinity. And listening to this song, like, as I said, the whole record is great, but I was listening to this song and I did have to rewind a few times just to make sure that I was hearing the chorus correctly. <laughs> um, what what was it that made you... It is a very catchy chorus, but there was there's one line which I'll... We'll, we'll link in the show notes um, that I just had to make sure I was hearing correctly. What was it that made you sit down and, and write this song? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, just like, oh, well, there's been so much climate. The climate's really changed in terms of the media landscape and the social discussion surrounding this kind of stuff in the last few years for the for the benefit of everyone, I think. And it's obviously been at the forefront of my mind and then like through so many different things happening in the media and social changes basically made me reassess a lot of my and just things like going to therapy like going and seeing a therapist like made me kind of look back at formative moments in my life and things that had a pretty profound impact on me moving forward and like I don't know one of the things that I think has like formed my identity as a person largely is like the influence of my sisters and my mother and like the feminine influence in my life has always been something that I've kind of related to a lot more in terms of like valuing values and morals and things like from a very early age I was just like my sisters were dressing me up as the fifth Spice Girl and we we're putting on concerts in our like lounge room and, like, honestly, looking back on it, like, I was like, I never want to play contact sport or anything. I just want to, like, I was just a very soft and sensitive kid. And, like, it was a, it was a product of conservative times and his, his nature. But my father was basically really repressive of that kind of stuff and would say really hurtful things in retrospective, like, oh, he's going to turn out to be a poofter and, like, all these horrible, horrible slurs and words and stuff that taught me from a young age to associate like femininity and showing that side of yourself as a negative thing. And that's like the crux of where like toxic masculinity starts. It's like, you don't, you don't just like wake up one day and start acting in this way. It's like, you're taught these things from a very young age, a lot of the time. And it's, I'm not saying that like, Oh, not to be, 
blamed. I take full responsibility for the effect that it's had on me and things that I've done in the past. But I think it's really important to look back on the ways that it was presented to you and it was literally like made to me as a rule growing up that it was like I was basically raised to be passively like like um what's the word homophobic really and like that made me suppress my own want want and desire to explore that identity potentially and it's really depressing honestly because looking back it's like now I feel like in the current light landscape and climate young people are really encouraged to be like progressive and open with their sexuality and really encouraged to explore it in a genuine way as opposed to like being stuck in such a kind of troped gender role which is what I grew up in and I feel I'm so glad it's changed like I'm couldn't imagine potentially how different I'd be as a person if I'd grown up in that landscape and basically that song is just like throwing it's like me me going through all of that and trying to understand all of the things that happened to me when I was young myself which basically helped form a large part of my identity growing up through my teenage years and I'm so like I'm not not I wouldn't say identify as a masculine person at all and never really have but like I played football in high school like I still had largely male friend groups like I still bought into that stereotype that was just so normalized around me so there's definitely like an internalized guilt that like I think it's not positive to hold on to that guilt and just let it fester like you've got to use it to drive change and like a learning kind of a learning curve it's like it yeah chances for reflection and self-reflection are always if you use them the right way they can be catalysts for profound growth and that's like over the course of my later teens and then 20s I've kind of yeah looked back at all the shit that I went through as a younger teenager and young person and was like damn that sucked like <laughs> I wish I'd been more encouraged to be more open and who I was and stuff and now I am and it's it's really cool and stuff that you know I, I take everything with a grain of salt like I just I try not to hold on to things and be too bitter I'm just like it's happened what's the way that I can use it to inform my perspective moving forward that'll be positive and that's that's like yeah I guess why the song's kind of like I wanted to put the song on the album because it's really important to me personally and it's like the other guys related to it in a lot of different ways like I'd say they don't potentially identify as more feminine or masculine or whatever like we, none of us really buy into that kind of stuff anyway but it's just like they were both so they could both understand and were so supportive of the subject and content from the day that I brought it to them it was just like so cool it's like another way that you go closer to the people that you're working with because i'm like oh these are things that like literally these two dudes have felt and experienced the same kind of like internal internalized struggle with it's just they might they don't write songs so they're not good as, as good at communicating it or like not as dramatic as communicating it or whatever so <laughs> it was really eye-opening like it made me they both got it and were really supportive of the song and stuff they were just like this is unreal and brock particularly with the penis line. It was just like, <laughs> so good. just makes me want to, like, scream it. And it's really, like, it's empowering. Like, the song's meant to feel empowering. And I don't know, yeah, I want it to, if it can make, like, even one-tenth of the dudes that listen to it, make them reassess their own journey and, like, their own feelings. And I reckon that's a massive win because dudes are so traditionally, like, 
hard stone wall emotionally to break down. I think it's, it's think with all of this societal change, it's starting to finally be more normalized to be an emotional and sensitive man. So hopefully we'll be breaking into more than one in 10, but yeah, you know what dudes are like. So if we can get one in 10 dudes to go like, Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe I shouldn't like think so negatively about dudes wearing dresses and like, yeah, it's just like, if I can have that effect, then it'd be a massive win. And even if like one person listens to it and it makes them feel more okay with their own like experience, as I said before, that's that's a win in itself. So I just wanted to write the song pretty selfishly more for me than anything because it was like a therapy therapy vehicle. But then, yeah, now that it's out in the ether, I feel like it can be a really good, powerful thing for people who have experienced the same kind of struggle. So hopefully... I can pick them out of our show when we when we're doing the tour. It'll just be like you, you're you. You can tell because the people that are screaming, the <laughs> ones that like they're like, yep, that one meant something to you. It was just, it's just, yeah. I'm hopefully I can see that one being pretty endemic at the live shows. It'd be really exciting. One one hundred percent. I think that that track is firstly, yeah, going to hopefully change some minds or at least maybe change some perceptions of, of things. But I can also see it, as you said, the chorus, it is, it's extremely, um, it's just catchy. And I think that you're going to see that people yelling that back to you for better or for worse, <laughs> that chorus. Um, <laughs> um, I'm glad so you mentioned it for it, worse because there's definitely going to be some bros who are like, it says penis, this song's about me. <laughs> so it's going to be like, <laughs> that negative hijacking kind of like ones that they're just going to hijack the message and just be like, yeah, it says penis. This is a song about dudes, but like you can't do much about them. They're like, as long as they're not bumping into people or spilling beers on people, whatever. <laughs> That's the thing. There's always that hopefully what you'll find nine out of 10 will have gotten the message and you're always going to have the 10th. Who's just like, I heard the word penis. Um, if you can yeah, get, you, you get, you can get to the nine out of ten, you could. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take it. As I said before, I'll take freaking one out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have much faith. <laughs> uh, Connor, would you be happy to uh, talk about the playlist uh, that you made for us today? Yeah, love, love to. It was so much fun doing it. Now, you have very kindly made us a playlist inspired by one of the album tracks, All Alone, which I think is this, um, it, it, again, talking about the the sound of the, the record, it's a beautiful kind of like late 90s, early 2000s uh, power pop kind of track. And one of my favourite things about this song in particular was the chord progression in the chorus, how it just kind of like it goes up before resolving, which I think is very satisfying. Um, when it, in a song, um, I, on your playlist, you've included, uh, if it makes you happy by Sheryl Crow and life is a highway by Tom Cochran, both also very satisfying choruses in these tracks. Uh, what made you put these songs on there on your playlist? So, what we were talking, sorry, just, I've got a side note. What we were talking about before you talking about like your appreciation and shared love for those things that I put those songs in the playlist for it was just like making me this beam beaming smile the whole time because i'm just like oh, i so 
relate to you as a person and like see what you're feeling it's like I, and do you play music or something because that musical explanation was quite quite smart if you ask me in terms of the chord structures <laughs> i have in the past like, yeah. yes yeah yeah that makes <laughs> i was just like how do you know how do you know these things this is not this the kind of like stock <laughs> interview kind of thing but yeah like thank you for feel like recognizing that and appreciating that like i love that yeah the chorus how it's like one of the things i touched on earlier was the disney thing like they're kind of just the masters of a lot of the soundtracks are basically going to these beautiful major chord structures and they'll slip in like a minor chord to make you feel a little bit little bit like down or confused and then it will have that resolution because what i said before it's like too much disney music i want i want the person to feel <laughs> like the hug to come after the the washing machine of emotion i guess so if you just leave them in the washing machine of emotion i don't know what they're going to be doing after the song but i don't want to be responsible for putting them in that headspace <laughs> so <laughs> i guess um yeah it's just it's it's funny uh, with that song it's just uh, yeah life is a highway and cheryl crow that song is just like oh the the melancholy of the the lyric and the dissonance with almost yeah the the melody she's picking in the chorus it's just got this haunting beauty of like you're singing about it's got that i should have put my happiness by um powderfinger on the on that playlist as well because it's got that juxtaposing feeling where you're singing and it's feeling like hopeful but it's such a depressing content matter that it's just like why did this person put any major chords in this song? Like, <laughs> because I don't want people to be crying while they're thinking about being alone. I want them to like smile. And yeah, it's, we even snuck like, there's like this sample of a galloping horse, like in the background of the, um, <laughs> of the, like the transition out of the first chorus, because we want to, we're, we're hopefully still going to be able to build like a film clip for it. We've got this crazy video idea where it's basically like, a BNS ball in like the outback where it's like, yeah, like a prom in a, in a farm shed with like hay bales lining all the, like the, the shed and just like a tacky disco ball in the middle. Everyone wearing like RM Williams and rivers and stuff. And there's like one lonely cowboy <laughs> there who's like, doesn't have a date. And he's just getting like gradually more lonely and like everyone's sharing punch and having swing dancing and stuff. And he can't join in. And then at the very end on like that last chorus, just like this cowboy comes in on a horseback and just like kicks open the barn doors with like all backlighting and just like rides in and just scoops him up and they start making out and then ride out right off into the sunset and everyone at the prom is just like, Oh my God, it's like the cinematic exit. And so yeah, there's a little sneak preview of the potential video, but um, yeah, it's such a weird, that's an idea of how visceral that song is for me, like when we wrote it and how how weird my brain is like a lot of the time. Like people I guess write songs and they're like, hum hum hum, acoustic guitar, here's a melody. I'm usually like literally can hear the full the full produced song finished and I'm seeing like the video kind of thing and then it's like oh, this crazy process of trying to archive it or put it down somewhere because this is the worst storage device in the world. <laughs> I need the Elon, if you're listening, I want some sort of upgrade hard drive put in there, put a chip in there if you need to. I don't care. Just do it. There's too much going on in here at any one one point in time to like hold anything down. So that process is long sometimes, but we yeah, we got there with a loan again. I don't I'll I'll let you know how the video goes, but that's probably gonna be like a ten day cinematic shoot 
but um, probably cost us like a hundred grand or something ridiculous. <laughs> Have some fun. I'm, What's the I'm point of love. doing these things if we don't throw the throw everything at them? As I said before. <laughs> exactly. I I love that though. That it's not just kind of the song idea that you've thrown. The there's the as you said there's like the the hidden noise of the horse galloping. You've got the video already planned out in your mind. I kind of love that it's the song has come fully formed and and then some. Did you notice um, in the second verse as well, it's kind of like the, I guess it's in the first verse as well, but kind of the drum pattern Brock's picked on it. It's re, it's like we only noticed literally weeks after mixing it that it's like the exact same drum pattern that's in that Tears for Fears song, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Like, did you get your jacket, 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 down it, down to jacket. And we were like, oh, this is like, got that kind of like galloping energy to it. It's like the like horse riding beat. And yeah, we were like immediately started picturing cowboys like crying on their own, like rope back mountain style, like sad <laughs> line dancing. And there's like, it all, it just makes sense. Like isolated life on the ranch. Like it just turned into this cowboy song all of a sudden. I don't even though like not much of it screams cowboy, but there's some slide guitar in there. I tried to put some harmonica. I bought a harmonica to try and squeeze some harmonica in there. But yeah, I sent a mix. I sent like a track of it to Brock and Jordan. They were like, no harmonica. This is like, <laughs> we're getting to the point of like pantomime, like mocking ourselves. If we're like, the horse is enough. We don't need harmonica in there as well. <laughs> Surprised. Like I wasn't like, let's put like a chinking of like the, the, tambourine bells on someone's boots like let's put that like a walking <laughs> western sound but what, yeah, uh, what are they called like this the, the spurs um yeah yeah, spurs? yeah exactly yeah i think so the little boot spurs and they like make a little jingle yeah. like my cat's collar <laughs> yes <Except> yeah way <laughs> The the other tracks that I uh, wanted to ask about because you've you've also included a few I'd say classics on there. There was uh, on the place as "Crying" by Roy Orbison, uh, "Stand by Me" um, by Benny King, and uh, some Beach Boys. For for a band that I feel is of the last twenty to thirty years sound wise, and and maybe a little bit before, do you find that like a lot of classic songs kind of influence uh, influence your songwriting? Oh God. Yeah. Like I hide it. I think I hide it really well as you've probably like not, not semi picked up on but Yeah. My influences range so much deeper than like Sonic, Sonic Youth and Blink-182, which are the ones that are really obvious. And like a lot of the time we get drawn to because I think the, the people writing about or listening to them, they're the bands that were like popular at the time they were in their like prime, I guess. So it's like an easy point to relate to that. Like, God, I grew up on this very steady, steady diet of like the Beatles, Beach Boys, Rolling Stones, like modern pop, like Spice Girls and stuff. But yeah, like really harmony rich music. That's one thing that's always really stuck with me is like things like specifically the Beatles and obviously the Beach Boys. Just the the nuance and like, well, I would, actually, I wouldn't say nuance. That's a terrible word for it, but almost like the the bravado and like the like just confidence to throw so much at the harmonic arrangements of these songs like with beach boys specifically there's like seven part five part harmonies going in like <laughs> choruses and parts that are traditionally 
previously traditionally hadn't they like music hadn't really felt like it was really as i guess like reliant on harmonies being a thing that people like remembered and was a hook but all of a sudden like it seemed like in the 60s like with the beatles and stuff people just started pumping them in the mixes and all of a sudden it gave these audiences like this whole new like harmonies are so powerful because people can pick one and it's like they can pick a part of the song that sits within their own comfortable vocal register and they can be singing along and be singing something literally completely different to someone next to them and they can both still be correct so it kind of removes that element of like pretentiousness where it's like you're not singing it right or like you're off pitch or you're out of key which like anyone that wants to pick pick (laughs) on people for that's just an absolute drongo but like yeah, it's a harmony rich music is so ah, it just evokes this really beautiful happiness and this feeling of like it just deepens the, the the texture and the richness and the feeling in the music for me personally. It always has and I've always been like drawn back to like songs for a lot of the time the harmony is the thing that kind of makes it for me and I guess that's one thing I wanted to always put in our music and with like Alone Again, a good example, things like the the mix kind of low in the end, but the ba 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 bars in the background of the chorus, like that's like OG barbershop quartet kind of stuff, like Beach Boys 101, if not earlier than the Beach Boys. So I love like another part of like, I guess why I put some Roy Orbison stuff in there as well is like one really powerful thing from that era is vocal delivery, not just with the arrangement of harmonics, but like the conviction in vocal delivery a lot of the time they were focusing on doing things in one take and they were doing things to tape so it was like they'd still do multiple takes but there was such emphasis on like the resources they were using were not infinite like they didn't just have a 20 terabyte hard drive they could and like x amount of time they could keep working on these things on they had like deliverable timelines that were usually a lot quicker as well like album cycles were much quicker as well back then so I feel like there was this like really important prominence placed on the vocalists like delivery of the message of the song that's almost been lost through the inception of like digital pop music and that age that came through the nineties and there's all the world of documentaries you can watch on autotune ruining the industry and all stuff like that. But like, yeah, it's, it's like, I don't want to badger on about it and sound like some old dude who's like, it was better <laughs> back in not even my day because I wasn't even born. But, like, hearing the richness of, like, the tape recordings and not just that, like, the purpose in the the delivery of the message, I think, in a lot of vocalists, especially, like, Roy Orbison, it's, like, the performance is cut right to the core of you and they're not a performance anymore. It's, like, it's such a genuine, like, I use the word connection a lot, but it's just like they just get right into the middle of you and burrow straight into the core of your soul and it's just like there. They're just like wrenching at your heart and you just go like, how's this this having this effect on me? When I'm usually a generally pretty stoic and somewhat balanced person, it's like just like bang! And it's because of like, it's, yeah, it's a really powerful thing when someone's really intentional and purposeful with what they're trying to put across and... I think artists in that era were better at it because the beard of, I guess, living in a more like, I guess, culturally rich society. There was a lot of, a lot of like seemingly more big changes happening in the world at the time. So it almost feels like there was just like more, it was a more emotionally heavy landscape at the time. I feel like 
I feel like people's connection with social media in the modern world and the digital age has kind of like dulled our sensitivity and our emotions a little bit. But yeah, I feel like it was just like people felt more convicted in the messages that they were they were trying to get across. And it wasn't like they were just trying to get across the message. It was like it's make or break for them that you just like be on board with them via this song kind of thing. So I think it was like, yeah, it was really cool. And that's why I draw a lot of my influence from like vocal deliveries from that era, era now. And a lot of sneaky little things with like, yeah, backing vocals and harmonies. It's like, I try to put them into our music as much as possible just because I love them. It's so when I listen back to the songs, I want to hear all that juicy goodness. And I just want it to be like a, a knockoff of like, Blink or something else that I've always also really loved and appreciated. I don't ever just want it to be like, I've never written a song and sat down and been like, I want this to be a song like this. I've never had that intention and no shade to artists that do. I reckon that's a whole other skill in itself. But yeah, I've just never written a song and been like, I want to achieve sounding like this. It's always just a really natural, organic kind of like, it just like it's in my head and it's there. So it's it's just a yeah a result of me listening to a pretty broad range of stuff and the more modern stuff is what I grew up on in my formative years so that I guess has a more profound obvious influence but the other influences still kind of like wriggle their way through the cracks and find their way into the final <laughs> the, the final mixes and stuff and I'm open to trying different stuff in the future like the next Bugs album could just be freaking all live and recorded to tape like I don't want to, like, keep this thing bound to anything because then it gets boring and, like, the other guys will get bored too and we just, we're so, like, prepared to be more explorative going into the future with our production styles and stuff. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next few years we put out an album that's, yeah, sounds like a vintage kind of band or out, like, a, a big sonic shift where people will just be like, what the hell did this come from? And it might freak people out, but I wouldn't put it past us and I'd say we're probably, if anything, we'd probably lean that way on the next release that we do, but that's so, so far ahead down the track. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> we've still got, we've still got cooties to, to process and to live with and to love at the moment now. So uh, we will deal with that, that next album when it comes down the line. But, um, Connor, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. I do appreciate it. And congratulations again on Cooties, which is out now. Uh, thank you so much, Simon. Really appreciate your time and your, your appreciation for Australian music and what you do and supporting us. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Connor for his time. Cooties is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record or see the guys on tour. We also want to give a huge shout out to Thomas at Positive Feedback for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to Connor's playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of his playlist picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning and we now have a Patreon which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.